1: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision.
0: It's Neil Johnson with you, the Friday edition of 2020 and a conversation coming over this next hour with the idea looking beyond ourselves here in Australia, beyond our shores to developments in the nation of India. India has been solidly in the news but not so much the work of Christian Medical Mission Health Serve Australia and their good work that's going on in India. We'll get a focus on that today. India continues to be in the grip of an evolving COVID crisis. Uh, latest figures: forty-five thousand new cases each day in India, almost a thousand deaths each day in India, and a death toll close to four hundred thousand in India. Now, While we're suffering widespread lockdowns in Australia, the people of India have endured a second wave with possibility of an even deadlier third wave. Their lockdowns, border controls and disrupted supply chains have led to a crisis in food security where loss of livelihoods is even fueling malnutrition. In India, they're now talking about double mutant and triple mutant strains of COVID. According to the Lancet Medical Journal, the larger the population density, the higher are the chances of viral replication, mutation and evolution. Christian Mission Hospitals have been overwhelmed like every other health facility. They are our focus today serving the most underserved populations in India. There continues to be a major shortage of medical supplies for critically ill patients and hospitals are scrambling to meet the shortfalls throughout India. We're enlarging our conversation today as we look beyond our own problems and issues in Australia to get a focus on India. Two doctors joining us, representing HealthServe Australia today, HealthServe shares a Christ-centred approach to their medical mission. Dr. Michael Burke is back with us. He's a medical doctor with 30 years in global health. He is executive officer with HealthServe Australia. And also, Dr. Paul Mercer is chair of HealthServe Australia. He's served widely in Africa. In fact, uh, something we might get a chance to talk about, he also conducts what are called Theology on Tap, gatherings in the city of brisbane so uh, first of all to dr michael burke welcome back to to you michael
1: uh neil great to be with you this morning and great to uh, have a chance to talk again with uh, 2020 listeners uh, we wish you all the very best on this uh, uh this uh,
0: friday and dr paul mercer welcome along
2: yeah hi neil we're all in lockdown so we're on the phone and not together today but that's part of life, isn't
0: it? <laughs> there had been intended to be an opportunity for the two of you to be in the studio with me. That's not able to happen today, but we'll make the most of an opportunity here because I think listeners will be uh, excited, impressed... And I think even challenged with some of the things we'll talk about today as we get a focus beyond our shores. And there's lots of things, no doubt, we could be talking about things that are going on in Australia with lockdowns, with COVID. But uh, when we raise our sights a little and look overseas beyond our horizon, where there is a raging pandemic that is having marked effect on people's lives and their uh, also their livelihoods, uh, it's good to be able to get this sort of focus today. If I come to you first, Michael, uh, we've talked before about the Valor Christian Hospital in Tamil Nadu in India, and also a connected network of 250 affiliated hospitals across India, a part of the Christian Medical Association in India. This is what your uh, what's what your focus has been, Michael. And uh, and uh, they've been in our previous conversations. They've been challenged by being overwhelmed by COVID. Uh, is there any update you can bring us? Yes, uh,
1: Neil. Thank you very much. Um, We are, of course, uh, we have have many friends uh, through the um, CMC Valor group. Uh, The CMC Valor Hospital is uh, one of uh, probably the three biggest hospitals in India. It's many thousands of beds uh, and as well as providing excellence in clinical care. Uh, They have major training institutions. Um, and from their uh, their centre, which has been in existence now over 100 years, are uh, founded by people who value very much and recognise the importance of the Christian gospel as a way to change people's lives and bring people into relationship with Jesus Christ. They have trained so many people. They've trained doctors and they've trained nurses, and these people are now working in a network, as you've said, Neil, of over 250 hospitals right throughout the country Uh, Their aim is to particularly work with uh, the marginalised and the poor. Uh, They work in rural settings and they work in poorer areas of urban settings. Um, They have been uh, doing this work for a long period of time. And of course, in this window of time, uh, a very big focus is on the challenges brought about by COVID-19. Uh, in Australia, we have a large group of uh, health professionals that have been trained at CMC Vellore. They're working uh, in our hospitals, in our general practices, providing great service to uh, our patients and our community in general. Um, and they have a great commitment to uh, Australia today, but also they're very grateful for the training and the friendships and the families that they have in India. And, of course, uh, with them, uh, we're looking at uh, forming and strengthening partnerships Uh, so that we can mobilise resources, mobilise encouragement, and hence mobilise hope, um, providing hope in terms of resources, physical resources, providing emotional support, prayer support, and really hoping to see people can grow spiritually um, in this time of great distress and great challenge, where people really need to be able to depend on a true source of hope, a true source of stability. And, Neil, we know that, of course, for us as Christians, that's the uh, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Well, there's something to be excited about when we talk about Christian hospitals in India. And uh, just as we're setting a foundation in place for our conversation today, and we've mentioned this before uh, in conversations that we've had, Michael, but, um, you know, we've got the uh, second largest population on earth. I think it's 1.3 billion people in India and even in this day and age, uh, rising Hindu nationalism, which is causing all sorts of issues so far as Christian mission goes, but something like 40% of all medical hospitals in India are Christian. I mean, this is quite amazing. Uh, I imagine that uh, excites you too, Michael, to know that there's been such a wonderful foundation of care for people that's been part of India for a long, long time.
1: Um, yes, uh, Neil, that's very true. Um uh, the Christian uh, hospital networks uh, provide a large proportion of uh, health services in India um, and um, uh, they are working are working very hard to meet the needs of the poor and the marginalised. Um, healthcare in any country is uh, expensive. Uh, of course, There's relative, uh, relative, it depends on the local economy as to relative costs, but the um, There's a very big and important network uh, of hospitals in India. Uh, The government runs about 50% uh, and the rest is run by non-government entities uh, and the church sector uh, is a very big proportion of that. Uh, They provide about uh, 30% of the NGO sector uh, and again, Christians are a very big proportion of that. So we've said over 270 hospitals. Uh, We formed a partnership with two major groups the Christian Medical Association of India, uh, an excellent group, uh, and then another group that works more in the northern part of India, the Emanuel Hospital Association. And, of course, uh, Neil, you uh, and our listeners probably know, of course, that Emmanuel actually means God is with us. And in times of stress and difficulty, such as all of the stresses and difficulty associated with COVID-19, we need to be reassured... That in fact God is with us. So, with our partners, the Emmanuel Hospital Association and the Christian Medical Association of India, uh, we're, we're joyfully being able to uh, make a contribution. Uh, and um, see uh, people cared for physically, emotionally and spiritually.
0: Dr Paul Mercer, uh, Chair of Health HealthServe Australia, no doubt you are across some of the figures and things like that that have happened out of India. And uh, uh, when there were peaks of more than 400,000 cases per day, today back down to something like 45,000 cases, uh, there has yeah. been a, a real arrest of co- uh, COVID happening in India.
2: Well, uh, um, certainly the the peak of the wave is is sort of past. Um, it's a country where it's not easy to measure. So in slums, you know, people just aren't getting tested and so forth. So they're, they're, there's likely to be a much higher figure than that. And talking with friends who've got very good connections in India, there are many areas where thirty percent of the population is is currently infected with COVID, and it's quite overwhelming. Um, Someone's described New Delhi at the peak of this current uh, wave as like a medieval plague city. So really tough conditions, and all the hospitals overflowing. People uh, hanging drips off trees in in the gardens of hospital grounds and things like that. It's just it's almost surreal to think about. But um, there's a there's a, a tremendous burden of suffering uh, because of this. Uh, a pandemic in India at present.
0: Well, here we are into July, and uh, just going back one or two months into May, that was the peak time, and nearly 5,000 people dying each day. That number's down now below a 1,000 each day. So uh, good things must have been happening to, in fact, stabilise that situation.
2: Yeah, but, um, some of the peak was related to festivals and uh, and so forth. Um, India's in a political cycle, so there have been some political rallies as well. But um, I think there's been a, a dropping down of those sort of events now. So that's helped settle things down as well.
0: And the active cases in India, Paul, uh, as I understand it, there's something like 500,000 people currently infected with covid-19 and so it really isn't a time when people can be relaxed about it uh, all of those mm-hmm. necessities that keep hospitals functioning are going to be so much a part of uh, of being on top of this 500,000 people currently infected paul
2: well that's right that's as i say what we can measure it's it's almost impossible to keep up with the real figures in india What Michael has been talking about are rural and rural and regional hospitals. There there has been a major international response to India that's helped with the the more bigger city-based facilities, but um, in these other areas, there's always been a problem with resourcing. Um, The Indian government's been involved in health reforms for about 15 years, which has really helped ramp up their the, the functionality of their health systems, but uh, it's such a big country. As you said, 1.3 billion people and a lot of the resources just aren't getting to uh, these rural and uh, regional hospitals. And so uh, uh, they're the ones that we're focusing on through the, the programs that we're raising funds for. We're, we're looking, you know, we've been asked to look for around 600,000, 700,000 and uh, there's a lot of need in these contexts. And because we're talking about the Delta variant and so forth, it's not going to just settle down overnight. It's going to be a a really prolonged burn, as it were, to this pandemic.
0: Michael Burke, uh, you've been a doctor for a long, long time and uh, probably not of recent months or the last year or two, but you've spent time in India. You're aware of what those hospitals in India are like. How do we think about those hospitals, uh, part of those hospitals that HealthServe Australia is supporting, how do they compare to a typical Australian hospital? I wonder whether you can give us a, a little bit of a contrast
1: Well, I guess, uh, thank you, Neil. Um, I'd I'd like to address that issue and just also reflect again on the numbers that uh, are coming out. Uh, Of course, to to actually have your number counted as a COVID case, you've actually got to get to a health facility. Uh, For many people, uh, due to the illness or due to lack of transport or due to lockdown or due to lack of finances, they cannot actually get to a health facility to be tested. And then, of course, when you get to the health facility, the health facility may well have run out of all sorts of equipment, including testing equipment. And then again, also the testing equipment. Um, uh, With various of the tests, I understand they only actually identify uh, 50 or 60% of people actually that have the uh, the infection. So um, the numbers that are coming out are um, certainly less than they were at the peak. Uh, So the second wave was a terrible time. Uh, Numbers have gone down. Uh, but I think it's fair to say that probably numbers are more than uh, are, are able to be actually counted, and that's due to a whole set of logistical reasons. We've um, been, yes, yep, so, yep. So, so hospitals. Um, uh, there would be a great range of hospitals. India is a very diverse country. Uh, in the bigger hospitals, there would be hospitals similar to our hospitals in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Perth, Adelaide, Darwin. Um, However, for the majority of people, that wouldn't be so. Uh, they would be living in rural settings uh, where there'd be small clinics, um, 100 beds, 200 beds, maybe 300 beds. Um, people, uh, the number of doctors available would be much less than Australia. The number of uh, specialists would be much, much, much less than Australia. Nursing numbers would be much less. Equipment would be a lot less. And, of course, it's now a situation where there's so much strain on the whole system Um, that supplies are are becoming very difficult um, and um, staff are getting worn out, staff are getting sick, um, people are getting exasperated, there's oxygen not available um, and the whole system um, is different and and not as strong as the Australian system but certainly getting stronger. Uh, That's very good news Um, but um, uh, people have not got the same opportunities that uh, we have in Australia so we're very keen to reach out we're very keen to uh, join hands uh, with our friends um, uh, in India, our partners with the Christian Medical Association of India and the um, Emmanuel Hospital Association. And um, last night, uh, Neil, I was talking to Dr. Uh, Matthew Santosh Thomas, a good friend of mine. I've known Matthew since 2006. We've done many activities together. Uh, he's got a great heart for. Uh, improving healthcare in his country and building friendships over the world. Uh, and he shared some very important stories with me. I'd just like to tell you a little bit about those.
0: Uh, why don't we come back to the stories in just a few moments. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. Lifting our eyes a little, looking beyond our shores. Yes, there are issues around COVID in Australia, but we're looking across the seas to one of those nations that has been dramatically affected by COVID. We're talking about India today. Two special guests representing HealthServe Australia, Dr. Paul, Dr. Michael Burke and Dr. Paul Mercer are our special guests. Uh, let's uh, come to you... Uh, I think uh, it's Michael. You've got a story of uh, the doctors and their personal experiences, how they've been coping with the overwhelming nature of COVID in India. Uh, what's uh, Give us uh, an insight into that story.
1: Thanks, Neil. Well, uh, the second wave was different. There'd been an earlier wave. It wasn't quite as bad. The second wave, uh, May, early, early June, was different. It hit most institutions, without much time to prepare. Uh, one colleague uh, leading a hospital in rural North India shared this. During the second wave on day one, we saw four patients with COVID. Day two, 10, by day three, our 40 bedded wards were full and overflowing. Over the next three to four weeks, patients were being referred out due to lack of bed. So they'd run out of bed. They couldn't cope with the people. Now, weeks later, the numbers have fallen again. It was almost like a tsunami with large numbers of patients getting admitted in a very short time. The staff were not in panic because they knew what COVID was, though many in the community were very fearful because they didn't quite even understand what it was. Um, But most institutions were certainly overwhelmed by the magnitude of the wave. There was a feeling of helplessness that came from an inability to stretch the resources to match the overwhelming needs that were suddenly hit with. And those needs were in all areas, oxygen, medical supplies, beds, um, staff, doctoring staff, nursing staff, uh, laboratory staff, uh, all were being stretched. There was also the challenge of very sick young people coming in, many losing their life through the severity of the illness, and this leading to terrible feelings of helplessness, grief, and being overwhelmed. Many of the institutions did well in responding. The responses were from the big Christian urban healthcare and teaching institutions, and the small and medium-sized mission hospitals across the nation, over 250. Many doctors in their own small clinics and nursing homes reached out to help. Doctors' groups came together. Healthcare professionals came together to set up care services in schools, churches, and other locations. That stretching was not without personal pain and struggles. The emotional toll on healthcare providers in this second wave has been unprecedented, never before experienced in this generation. Many young healthcare providers were in the forefront, working day and night, taking decisions amidst resource constraints. They didn't have enough PPE, they didn't have enough sanitizer. they didn't have enough oxygen cylinders, they didn't have enough breathing support devices. Many of them were facing such a context for the first time in their life. And here I've got a conversation with a young healthcare provider who was in the forefront during this season. He said, I'm going through a mental breakdown. I don't know what to say, seeing the suffering, suffering around. Just came from ICU after clair- declaring poor prognoses for people uh, there with COVID. I get up at night weeping uncontrollably with no reason. One missionary passed away, just trying to arrange their coffin for them now. It's been a heartbreaking day. Don't know what to say. Had four deaths yesterday. Now when going for rounds, I don't know what to say. My mind has been clouded with such events. The magnitude of suffering I have never seen before. So many sick patients at one particular time. So, Neil, that's the perspective of healthcare workers in a small uh, uh, Christian health facility in northern India. And, of course, that is going to be played out multiple times multiple lives of health workers, Christian health workers, seeking to uh, do their very best in a very difficult situation, seeking to care for the patient's physical, emotional and spiritual needs. And for them, it's been a very difficult and traumatic
0: time two doctors, our special guests with HealthServe Australia. Dr. Michael Burke is a medical doctor with 30 years in global health. He is the executive officer with HealthServe Australia and Dr. Paul Mercer also with us. He's chair of HealthServe Australia. He served widely in all sorts of mission contexts, especially in Africa. He also conducts Theology on Tap, which is a special gathering in Brisbane and perhaps a We might just talk about that for a moment, Paul, because uh, you lead this gathering, happens about once a month in Brisbane, and people turn up and it's a little bit like a, I guess, talk amongst friends, not afraid to talk about any issue, and theology on tap. Uh, Just give us a little insight into what sort of things you talk about here, Paul.
2: Well, um, it's a public space, theology context, and uh We've been gathering for over six years. There's a lot of things we've talked about. We've recently uh, actually published a book on numbers of the talks and uh, some of them cover the the areas of of our personal response in in terms of faith to the crises of life, how we deal with anger, how we deal with um, the the fact we have to move around and we're not always secure and feel at home, uh, how we deal with disability, Uh, how we respond to many of the challenges that we face in society with the rest of the community and uh, so that's been a a, a real joy but out of Theology on Tap we've also uh, recently worked together to produce a book on uh, responding to this current COVID context in terms of a spirituality for times of crisis and uh, we're certainly in that Sense in a time of crisis globally and we, we, it's a time to reflect and consider as Christians how we actually are faithful to God under these sort of pressures.
0: Wonderful stuff. And we may have an opportunity to touch on that again. Let's come back to our focus, which is on the nation of India. And there are more stories to tell, but let me ask you first, before we get to some more of those stories, I mentioned in the introduction uh, Michael, the idea of uh, all sorts of things that have been causing and fueling even malnutrition, that when there has been a crisis, uh, lockdowns from the Indian government, the border controls, the disruption of supply chains, these have had huge effects And I wonder whether you've got any thoughts on the fact that we're talking numbers of people who die from COVID-related illness to the major ramifications that happen throughout communities because of all of those responses. Any thoughts here, Michael?
1: Yes, thanks, Neil. I was talking last night to my good friend, uh, uh, Dr Matthew Matthew Santos-Thomas, and he was suggesting that there are three major areas where there's been big, uh, big implications. Um, first one is, uh, I guess, in the informal sector. That's people who are day labourers. Day laborers, we would guess call them casual workers. Um, in India, people often have to travel great distances from their their families uh, to to work in distant cities to gain work. Um, and in that situation, with COVID, uh, they've been asked to go home, so they've been asked to move away from their work, so they've lost income. The lockdowns, uh, uh, shopkeepers uh, cannot sell their produce, and hence cannot um, uh, cannot cannot gain income for their families. Um, uh, and this has caused uh, a very big problem uh, with with shops, with all all sorts of day labouring people, and with uh, people in the construction industries as well. So that whole informal sector, which is a big part of the Indian economy, uh, is really being brought to a halt. Um, so people have, people have less money, um, they have less opportunity to buy food, there's less food to buy because those uh, supply chains are damaged um, and it's caused a lot of problems and not only obviously the physical problems but the stress, the emotional grief um, associated with uh, not being able to care properly for people's families and that's caused a very big effect. Another area where it's had a big effect, Neil, has been in the education sector. Um, and I understand that it's for, for, for the small group of people who've got access to um, IT and computers and internet, and there is a significant group um, that has that opportunity in India. They've gone along quite well. Uh, but for people without that uh, opportunity, and that's the majority, now those children haven't been able to go to school. Their education's been disrupted. Um, and um, only I understand generally only 20% of school children are attending their schooling. And this is, of course, causing uh, great problems. And, of course, uh, teachers will be unwell. um, And uh, uh, people, uh, people, families are losing uh, parents. uh, Communities are losing teachers and health workers and bus drivers and all other sorts of people, all the people that we really need and rely on to help our communities work on an everyday basis. And in the field of medicine, for instance, um, the young doctors, they're doing such a fantastic job. Um, but Neil, they're, they're working predominantly in, in just in the area of uh, COVID uh, COVID nineteen medicine, which is obviously very important, very urgent. But they're not getting the basic background in surgery and in general medicine, which they need to equip them going forward. So that's another group uh, that are that are stressed. Um, they're very much stressed by the uh, the disease itself, but they're also realising they're missing out on training opportunities. Mm.
0: Um, Let me come to Paul here because uh, I mentioned, too, uh, the way of preparing for a possibility for an even deadlier third wave. I mean, it was dreadful, the second wave. Uh, But when we talk about having an appeal uh, for hospitals, Christian hospitals working in India, no doubt – uh, what will be in mind is how do we prepare for a deadlier third wave? Uh, the idea of double mutant and triple mutant strains of COVID. Here we are in Australia, fearful of the Delta strain of COVID uh, taking a hold here. But uh, And that, I think, as I understand it, comes from India. But this idea of preparing for a deadlier third wave, is this part of people's concern out of India, do you think, Paul?
2: Look, everybody's made in the image of God. So every life that passes during this pandemic is a life that uh, is created in that image and it's a great loss and sadness. And so every person's life is worth fighting for. Uh, A lot of these regional rural hospitals don't have all the high tech, so they're not going to be at the forefront of, of major sort of breakthroughs in treatments and so forth. But what I can say is I know... For the last 12 months, at least the the international um, uh, ICU community, the best brains around the world, are meeting every week, trying to solve problems both in in uh, Western countries and in third world countries, so that there's a there's a collaborative response to the crisis in ICU going on internationally, and that's fantastic. Um, but uh, at a, at a local level, we're just we're trying to get oxygen concentrators to hospitals so that they're ready for the next wave. We're trying to get PP there, E there. There's a significant loss of life amongst doctors, amongst pastors, amongst people who are leaders in the Christian community as much as any any other community. And and so uh, some of these very basic things are still very very much in the forefront of need.
0: Paul, what sort of stories jump out of the page uh, to you? And the ones uh, mm. that, you know, ones that you've been writing down, ones that you've been hearing from your contacts yeah. who are on the ground, uh, what's, uh, what sort of stories can you tell?
2: Well, India is a, <coughs> a very vibrant country. I've been there three, on three significant visits, and uh, I went as a medical student to one of the Emmanuel hospitals uh, in northern India, called the Muddy Pura Christian Hospital. So I've got a, a sort of sense of the reality of what they're dealing with. But um, look there's a couple of things. I've, I've heard of hospitals having to close because all the doctors are sick and people banging on the doors trying to get in. So that's a pretty tragic situation. No. I've heard of people having to secure their own oxygen cylinders and finding out they're getting... Of other other substances apart from oxygen, so that's again a, a tragic undercurrent of, of all this. <clears throat> One of our other partners in India is a group called Living Wholeness. They do Christian counselling training, and providentially, um, they just trained their res- uh, just translated their resources into Tamil. So they've been running training courses in Tamil in southern India during 2020 and a lot of these people are now heavily involved in the mental health side of of the context in the community. They're able to provide the counselling, the grief counselling, the sort of hope of the gospel type of counselling that's required for so many people. Everybody in India knows someone who's died and uh, it's having a huge impact on that community.
0: Let's talk about the stories that are coming out of India of those patients and where you've had a husband and wife and and where a wife loses a husband and uh, reliant on one another just for survival. Uh, your thoughts here, Michael, what sort of stories are you hearing from patients and uh, people who've lost loved ones? Yes,
1: yes I'd like to share this story, Neil, with uh, yourself and 2020 listeners. Um, this is the wife speaking. When he was diagnosed to have COVID with lung infections, I had no faith. But God extended five days of his life and brought us here to the hospital. It was to prepare me for this day and make me stand as a witness. I initially thought I was very frightened. How will my daughter and I live without my husband? But today I'm happy that I know that God is going to take care of both of us. Um, the day before was our wedding anniversary, and uh, but sadly, I had to go uh, to see my husband and wish him, wish him well. He was nodding his head and listening to me. But today, there would have been a great welcome for him in heaven. And here there is a great farewell happening for him in the hands of many God's people. So that the, the wife was able to say that in the Christian hospital, she received great care. They worked their very hardest to look after the physical needs of the patient, the emotional needs and the spiritual needs. They were able to address their spiritual needs in a very meaningful way, but unfortunately that man's life came to an end. Uh, But the wife was reassured uh, that, in fact, he was in heaven, and she knew then that there was a God um, that loved her, cared for her, and was willing to look after her and her family going forward. So great stories of grief, but also mixed with the grief, there is a a firm foundational hope in a God who cares, God who provides.
0: Wonderful to recognize what I sometimes refer to, the idea that when we reflect on that scripture that uh, we do not grieve uh, the way that others do who have no hope. And as Christian believers we recognize that there is that hope that we have in Christ and that is a part of the motivation too for being involved in humanitarian work. The idea that there are chaplains in Christian hospitals and, you know, knowing the growing situation, uh, Hindutva, the idea of Hindu nationalism uh, growing and uh, even the persecution of Christians, I'm quite sure that uh, perhaps there are not many secular hospitals or Hindu hospitals that have got Christian chaplains operating there, but but chaplains are, no doubt, a part of the mix of what happens in that uh, way that patients are going through all sorts of grief. Uh, Michael, just quickly to you, uh, Christian chaplains, they play an important role, no doubt, in India.
1: Oh, such an important role, Neil. Yes, the the doctors and nurses are often, uh, you know, focusing first and foremost on people's physical needs. Uh, But chaplains are very well placed to care for the emotional needs, the family needs, the spiritual needs, and I'd like to share a story. So uh, the chaplain says, uh, Every day we visited patients in COVID wards and shared the gospel and prayed. I experienced God's presence in our hospital and made me to have a positive attitude. One day I considered skipping prayers in the ward, but patient relatives were waiting eagerly for prayer and that prompted me and encouraged me. Many patients got better and went back with much gratitude. I'm thankful to God that not only patients but many of our staff were blessed by prayer and morning devotions. Every day God helped me to prepare devotions and to share it with courage through visiting patients in COVID wards, God strengthened my faith. Wow. Yes. So yeah. the chaplains, giving a lot, but getting a lot, seeing that God is faithful and God is caring and giving them strength to go forward day by day. And in a very
0: I can imagine the work of a chaplain in a hospital where, The doctors themselves are all down with COVID. Uh, People who are knocking on the door, doors are not open. I can imagine a chaplain is going to have a very important role, uh, not only for the patients but also for the medical staff who are manning these hospitals all across India. Uh, Let me ask you, Paul, uh, because we're talking about these Christian hospitals and, uh, you know, in my mind, the Christian hospitals will be able to support and treat people who come to them from all sorts of different uh, levels in society. We know that in India they have a caste hierarchy and uh, higher castes are considered a little more important than the lower castes. But uh, this idea of of helping people in uh, the lower areas here because uh, people in lower castes often overlooked Uh, uneducated. Uh, They're the people who in some ways uh, Christians reach out to most. Is this the case with the Christian hospital systems in India?
2: Well um, the culture of India is obviously very different to Australia and it's hard to get our heads around it very quickly. Uh, The caste system is is entrenched but the legislative uh, changes in India are trying to sort of get past that uh, nevertheless, clearly there are people who are regarded as as less valuable than, than others and in fact, I think if you actually analyze the churches in india and and three to five percent of the community are christians and that means there are more Christians there than here um there a lot of them come from these lower castes that's true, and uh, it gives them a great dignity to to be in a right relationship with God and it helps the Whole society to become uh, uh, more whole and uh, healthier because of that. Um, so, uh, <laughs> when, I, when I was at Bihar as a medical student, in Bihar's medical, I used to sleep in a room, and outside that room, every day, a father and his three kids would have a meal. It was their only meal for a day. The kids would be sort of sent to a, a schooling context, and dad would go off and do his day labouring. Uh, the mum had died, and and that was that was their life, and uh, it was it was very very sobering to sort of have it so adjacent to where I was really sleeping every night to watch this every day occurring around me. Wow. Um, pe- people live many. There are many heroic people in this context. People who who just love, um, who who take verses like Psalm thirty thirty seven, trust in the Lord and do good. Live in the land and farm faithfulness. That, that's well, many Christians just do that, they they farm the faithfulness of God's love in their communities. And um,
0: comforting to know that that sort of culture, no doubt is coming out of the training facility, the Velo Christian Hospital in Tamil Nadu, and uh, the way that you're training up doctors and medical personnel to be uh, used and sent out through the 250 affiliated hospitals uh, that are run by the Christian Medical Association in India. This sort of culture so very, very important. There is an appeal that's going on at the moment. We're running out of time for our conversation today, but there is an appeal that's going on. Let me come back to you, Michael, because people who give to an appeal like this Uh, looking after the needs for all sorts of uh, equipment and necessary things for the treatment of people who are going through this COVID crisis in India. Threats of a third wave all sorts of other issues that go around that as we've been talking about some of the dimensions that accompany a COVID crisis. But if people today listening to our conversation thinking, what can I do to help India? This is a great way to do something practical, isn't it? Uh, If people are going to the website, healthserve.org.au, they can make a donation there. Uh, How has the appeal been going? Uh, Is it way, way short of your expectation? Uh, What are your thoughts about how the appeal is continuing?
1: Uh, look, we've been very grateful, Neil, for the generosity of people. We've raised about 70000 We were hoping to raise uh, maybe twice that. Um, there is still a need, an ongoing need, for the purchase of personal protective equipment, patient monitors, medical oxygen uh, uh, sources, oxygen cylinders and oxygen concentrators, life-saving medicines, uh, and also um, food for patients and primary carers in hospital, and psychosocial support through people like chaplains. Um, God's people can still be generous. There's still a need. The second wave is still present. The third wave is uh, fearfully expected, uh, and the challenges remain. But our God is faithful.
0: There is a huge challenge there and for listeners today, an opportunity to get a little insight into what is happening in other places around the world you're not easily exposed to or readily exposed to when you're seeing other reports in media and certainly of what you can see coming out of the nation of India. Let me point people to healthserve.org.au healthserve.org.au. There is a HealthServe Australia COVID-19 appeal. Wonderful to get insights into what is a wonderful organisation, HealthServe Australia, and serving people with a Christ-centred approach to medical mission. Dr. Michael Burke, Executive Officer with HealthServe Australia, and Dr. Paul Mercer, the Chair of HealthServe Australia. And uh, just to touch on that book you were talking about, Paul, uh, the one uh, that's connected with theology on tap, um, I imagine uh, how would people get a hold of that? Is that available freely?
2: Well, it's available through Amazon. Um, I think... uh It would be sold at Coorong in Brisbane now. They've been sort of accessing uh, uh, supply. We're we're, we're currently selling them at at events when there's no lockdown, but um, there's obviously a lockdown probably likely this weekend. Right.
0: Wonderful stuff. Great to have the two of you, uh, both Dr Michael Burke and Dr Paul Mercer. And just one more time, that website to support the HealthServe Australia COVID-19 appeal. It's healthserve.org. Uh, Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Neil. And uh, Paul, thank you for sharing your heart with us today too.
2: Thank you and God bless.
1: Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.